0: You know, uh, to be honest, I'm a mix of emotions today. Uh, Earlier in the week I read the first draft of this sermon and I cried um, uh, uh, because it was so bad. It was just, I just went, (laughs) whoa. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what am I going to do? <laughs> it was like 84 minutes long, which would be the longest sermon at 2H, I mean, at, at, you know, had a contemporary service, right? Tracy has the record. What is it, 37 minutes? Is that it? Yeah. <laughs> I, I had a laugh earlier when you were saying, nobody wants to listen to me. Did you hear my amens in the back? <laughs> That's not true. That's not true at all. For 16 years, uh, I've had the honor uh, of serving all of you. And I have uh, a lot of rich memories. It was in this space that I started my ministry. There was a Sunday school class called Pathfinders. It met right here when the walls were up. And it was really an awful Sunday school class. But it was, it, it, and we, we morphed that into something called Contact. And that got to be really fun. And a whole lot of people got connected to the church and developed rich relationships. In this space, uh, I I had a chance to do so many workshops and talks, most recently at MOPS. It was in this space for over five years that I got to walk with the people of Ascend and then with a new singles group called Higher Ground. And it was in this space that a, a little experiment called... 2HC, <laughs> emerged from the underground and became what we have here today. And as I see my partner in crime, Tracy and Dave Maher will be here for the 1045 service, I'm, I'm just filled with emotion. My wife, Anita, is in the back who has just stood with me. Her ministry has been profound. We announced our engagement in this place. We're in front of 550 people. It was a surprise. Uh, I see Rick and Nancy over here who trusted us enough to go to Israel with us, and I got to baptize you, right, in the Jordan River. Rich memories. Brad Warble, where are you? Oh, yeah, you can hardly see him. You brought me back to Young Life, to a camp, remember that? And we went out at about midnight, driving along country roads in the middle of nowhere. You had no idea where you were going. We had a golf cart with no lights. <laughs> and we barely survived, and it was a blast. <laughs> Why I trusted you, I do not know. But <laughs> there's folks here today who allowed Joyce McAndrew and not myself to minister to them in our Refocus seminar. A lot of memories. Ruth Ann. we started a journey towards your formation of a mini United Nations. <laughs> you know, I think we talked in this space about that. And now I get one last shot, one more time for me to see if I can afflict the comfortable <laughs> or comfort the afflicted. <laughs> Let's see what happens. In the Gospel of Luke, an angel tells the old priest Zechariah that the long wait is over. In fact, he, they had quit waiting. I mean, he and Elizabeth were, were old, uh, probably not as old as I am. But, uh, but uh, they, they, they didn't think they would ever have a child. And an angel tells them a child would be born to, to Elizabeth, a boy, and his name was to be John. And the angel went on to say, it, say, He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He has never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. And many of the people of Israel will he bring back to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah. And that's no small thing. To turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, and to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now, Zechariah struggled with believing all this, as would most of you. You know, he just goes, How can this be? How can this be? And, uh, and the angel just decided, Okay, you don't believe this. I'm going to do what angels do. You are now mute. <laughs> Many of you, many of you, white wives, wish that you had a, you, you had an angel where you could say, "Yeah, husband, mute." <laughs> Put them on, and uh, and he remained mute until the baby was born. It's time of the circumcision, the dedication, uh, when uh, Zechariah spoke up once again. Folks were having a disagreement about what his name should be, and he wrote it on a pad, and then. <laughs> And then he prophesied over his own son. And he says, And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadows of death to guide our feet feet onto the, path, onto the path of peace. And in the midst of all this, the scripture tells us that uh, in the midst of all this extraordinary stuff, that, that, that people were asking the question, "I said, what then is going to become of this child? What is this child going to be? Wouldn't it be something if at the moment people were asking the question, another angel of the Lord appeared and said something like this? Dudes. (laughs) Dudettes. Because that's what angels say. Right? It was in Hebrew. So it was, ah, dudes. Ah, dudettes. But it was there. (laughs) That's as far as I ever got. John is going to be revered throughout the ages. Schools and churches are going to be named after him. I went to a college named after John the Baptist. Anita and I went up to Door County one day, and we just a—we looked at a sign, and we moved back by so fast. It said, St. John the Baptist Catholic Church. And I, you know, and I went, how can it be a Baptist Catholic Church? What happened? <laughs> <laughs> I went, okay, we were, I, I saw what it was. Uh, A zillion and one kids will be named John. How many guys guys are named John here? Yeah. (laughs) He's going to count, you know. And and, uh, and he he will be the one that will announce the coming of the Savior. In fact, he will baptize the Messiah. Not bad, huh? Not bad. And you might hear the crowd going, whoa, that's incredible. But then the angel goes on to say, that's not the whole answer to your question. What will this child be? The deal is John is going to be a little strange, just a little off, a little like those guys in Alaska that women go up to marry. <laughs> you know, they discover that the, they've heard that the odds are good, but the goods are odd. <laughs> you know, <laughs> after a while, just a little off, <laughs> like Brad Warble, and. Uh, <laughs> That's a compliment, by the way. He's going to spend his life in the wilderness. wilderness. And if he asks you to come to dinner, think twice about that. Locusts and wild honey. And if he asks you to go get the honey, don't do it. (laughs) It's wild honey. Don't do it. Don't do it at all. He will not be a fashion icon, unlike myself. He's going to have a wild look in his eyes and he's going to challenge people's thinking and press in on them to repent, to change their ways, and many will and many won't. He will stand up to power and authority and eventually he's going to say something to them He's going to get him sent to prison. And then the power brokers are going to decide that imprisonment isn't enough and so they kill him in a very cruel way. What will become of this child, John? Well, that's his story. What will he be? He will be a willing servant of the living God. You know, it's probably good that angels don't appear whenever we ask a question. Sometimes we just got to live it all out and discover what God has for us. (laughs) Scripture tells us that John grew, grew and became strong in spirit living in the wilderness, until he peered publicly to Israel. And when John went public with his ministry, things got really interesting. What I love most about the story of John the Baptist is this. He embraced the life that was given to him, which is all we're being asked to do. He accepted that life as his divine assignment. And there was nothing more and that was nothing more than becoming the person that God created him to be and walking the path that was laid out for him. And that's no different from us. For John, for John, though, is a path destined to be problematic. It's never smooth sailing for a prophet. Prophets tell people what they don't want to hear. A prophet uh, Tells people to repent, thus calling into question all the decisions that they made previously, right? That's what a prophet does. A prophet asks people to sacrifice, and that's never popular. Prophets ask people to give when they'd rather hoard, to love when they'd rather hate. Prophets remind people of the other, the other that we're inclined to dismiss. It's not an easy road being a prophet. But John walked it willingly, and people listened to him, and they came to be baptized, to repent, and to be made whole again. And they listened to his voice because his voice held the promise well, it held the promise of something better. They knew what he was saying was good and righteous and offered them a different kind of path forward. John pointed people to God and his earthly reward was a cruel death some might call him a failure right i mean he never amassed millions of shekels he really only had a short run and then he was gone but we celebrate him why do we celebrate John well i think it's primarily because his story keeps pointing us to Jesus to Christ which is the reason for the season. You know, uh, and his life mattered. And how many of you are drawn to people whose lives really matter? That's why this story is meaning for us. And it begs us to question of ourselves, At least it did for me as I, as I looked into this. What then is going to become of, of my life? And the answer to that Hmm. It's really interesting. Will we step in and embrace our divine, divine assignment? And what we say to that will define our life. It's in the decision to go. It's in the acceptance of the path. It's in the risk of the next step that real life happens. It's in the acceptance of the journey God has for us that life takes on meaning. And I don't want to urge you this. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of, of the decision. <laughs> uh, well, don't be afraid of your next decision, for it just might prove to be the one you've always needed to make. You know, so many of us decide to wait just a little while longer before pulling the trigger on that one thing that could change our life for the good. After a while, that pulling the trigger becomes the habit of our life. So guess what? Nothing happens. We don't accept the assignment God has for us, and we spend our entire life wondering what could have been. Any parent knows the feeling of holding their newborn child in their arms uh, and asking the question, what will become of him or her? Uh, at the 1045 service, my kids are going to be here. Yeah, Aaron, Kevin, Stephen, John, they're, they're all going to be here. And I remember especially when Kevin was born. Kevin is the fingernails on the blackboard of my life. If you want to stick around just to meet him. You know, well, you'll see why. And, uh, and uh, <laughs> no, I love him like crazy. I remember when he was born, he, 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 he was premature, and he, he came out all skinny and yellow he was jaundiced and with that pointy head kind of thing going on and I remember saying to the doctor I don't think he's done yet <laughs> put him back and he, 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 of course he didn't so that's right but, but I remember holding him and going what's going to happen to this kid <laughs> But we did what good parents do we baptized him we dedicated all our kids unto the Lord and said, Lord, do with them what you will. You have a plan. Work that plan. Work that plan fully in their lives. Let their lives be of consequence, and they may, leave, may they leave footprints on the same path that Jesus walked. That's what we did here today in the baptism. That's what, that's what we all pledge to, to get that child on, on the path. The question in Advent is what, what becomes of this child? Really, it's a question, as I said earlier, we should be asking ourselves. I've been asking that. Mike, what's going to become of you? What's going to happen to you uh, when you grow up? (laughs) And the truth is, I don't know exactly. But I know Anita and I have embarked on a journey. Really, it's the same path that we've been on for a long time. But it's taking us to a new place, to Sarasota. And, and why we'd want to move to Sarasota after waking up this morning, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, this doesn't make sense uh, at all. I mean, all we're going to be able to do day after day is shovel sunshine. I don't get it. But, uh, <laughs> so pray for us. <laughs> Especially pray for Adita. She's going with me. Both of us want to remain open to whatever God has for us there. We're redeploying, as Dan said. And here's some principles that will guide our redeployment. One of the quotes I love, and I think Anita loves it too, because I'm saying she does in this sermon. (laughs) (laughs) Just right, you love it, right? (laughs) It's by Eric Hoffer, who's called the Longshoreman uh, Philosopher. And and a lot of you who've been to, I've used this many times, In times of change, learners inherit the earth while the learned find themselves beautifully equipped to deal with a world that no longer exists. Right? Whenever you you hear someone say, you can't teach an old dog new tricks, have you ever had anybody say that? How many of you said that? Yeah, yeah, point to the person that didn't raise their hand, you know. (laughs) Help that person. Really, I am serious because they're stuck. Life really does belong to those who are eager to learn, to adapt, to listen, to change. When you get someplace in life and you become satisfied and stall out, you can be sure, pretty sure, the enemy of your soul is dancing up a storm. You know why? Because he's got you right where he wants you. You're not going to do any damage for the kingdom of God because you're stuck. And stuck is never a good place to be. You'll spend the rest of your life remembering a world that was and not engaging the world that is. Anita and I are excited about continuing our love affair with learning. And whenever we find ourselves with our back to the wall, or for that matter when all is good and we're trying to leap over walls, we're going to say two things. One is a statement, one is a question, and I did a whole sermon on this at one time. The statement is this, God is always up to something. And the question is what? What is God? I wonder what God is up to now. I can't help but wonder if that isn't something John the Baptist said at various times in his life, especially sitting in prison with no apparent way out. Friends, God is always up to something. And when we say that, that's a statement of faith, of belief. And when we ask the question, I wonder what he's up to now. That is a beautiful prayer that is at the heart of the voyage of discovery in the Christian's life. Anita and I really believe that God is still on the prowl, still speaking, and we can't wait to discover what God has for us next and until we discover that, we have some standing orders from God. We're going to just do the next right thing in the right way with the right attitude. And whenever you do that, you'll be doing God's will. You know? As we, re- redeployment for us means that we still believe that God is at work in our lives. We just don't know what. And we, we, so we trust in a good God who's always up to something. And we get to discover what that something is for us. My study of Scripture leads me to believe, in in, in the history of the saints of the church, leads me to believe that the great men and women of faith asked the same kind of question. They always didn't know what next looked like, but they knew if they just kept their eyes on Jesus, do the next right thing, that God would continue to guide them. Do you believe that? We don't plan on doing life alone. We read little in the New Testament of individual spiritual formation. The biblical language for growing in Christ is interdependent language. Gospel life is life together. By the way, if you've never read Trevor Hudson's book, the workbook, uh, Discovering Your Spiritual Identity, do that. Just do it. And do it with a group. Uh, It'll take you a long time. It's just beautiful as it helps you to discover what God has for you. I'm very fortunate. I've had so many of you have walked with me over the years. Uh, My small group, uh, I don't think any of them are here right now, but man, they just rallied behind us in this latest season in a way that's unbelievable. For a long time, I tried to do life by myself, and then I discovered that I was a failure at that. And so I decided to invite other people into the failure. (laughs) And my life got better. We're eager to discover who out there needs us in Sarasota, but more importantly, who has God prepared to be our friends? And I think God is at work doing that. Anita and I plan on following the advice of the great writer and philosopher Annie Lamont. Do you know her at all? Read everything she writes. Yeah, she's really great, but she'll flip you out. I mean, but she said, Almost everything will work again if you unplug it for a few minutes, including you. <laughs> unplug. This is for you, Chuck Weber. Enter into solitude and silence, right? It'll be good for your soul. It'll also be good for all the people you're driving crazy. <laughs> Find a spiritual director, go to a retreat house. Most everyone here is afflicted with hurry sickness, and it's a killer, it really is. Unplug. John the Baptist was a wilderness guy. He was unplugged for years, an unhurried lifestyle. But that, in that unplugging, he met God, and in meeting God, he was prepared for the big and bold steps he was required to do and I think a lot of us just wanna rush around, rush around, rush around, rush around, unplug, unplug. We're gonna do that. I mean, I mean, we're going to a place where it's gonna be a little slower, but uh, also we're looking for places that we can go to where we can, we can really unplug. I ask you, and we're gonna do this down in Sarasota, we really believe that we are called as Christians to feel the weight of the vulnerable. The Christmas story is filled with all kinds of vulnerable people. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph had a flea, a dictator, a despot, a man who wanted to kill them. They were refugees and they were immigrants they fled to a place they probably didn't know anybody. And you can imagine what that feels like, right? How do you walk in some place where there's nobody, nobody there for you? Over the past seven and eight year, or eight years, and in various ways before that, I've been on a justice journey. I've dug deep into the path of biblical justice, <laughs> laid out for us in the scriptures, My time at Breakthrough and in working with my dear friend Felicia on a variety of things, especially the Roosevelt Road Initiative, have cemented cemented my thinking about such things. And here's what I believe. We live in an upside-down world (laughs) that desperately needs to become right-side-up. And there's things in this world that don't work very well for people. Issues of race and class and poverty and entitlement and privilege, all those things that uh, sometimes we don't even like to talk about are very, very real. But friends, this is our work as a church. This is what we've got to embrace and take on as we we move forward. And thankfully, it's part of our strategic plan. You know that. Dan and the trustees and others have laid out for us. And sometimes we don't even know what to do. And so the prayer that I'm uttering is every time I go into a situation where I don't know what to do, when I'm with the other, it's from Martin Luther King Jr. And he said once, Lord, help me to find a way out of no way. (laughs) In the face of great evil, churches like ours need to stand up. And when we talk about churches standing up, we're talking about people standing up opening their eyes and see what's right before us. After the election, two great men, Mark Labberton and Richard Mao from Fuller Seminary, uh, wrote a piece uh, uh, on the Fuller website. And they talked about evangelicalism, the branch of the church that we are part of. Mark and and Richard are friends of Dan's. Uh, They have graced our pulpit here, but they said this. The word evangelical has value only if it names our commitment to seek and to demonstrate the heart and mind of God in Jesus Christ. This calls us into deeper faith and greater humility. It also leads us to repudiate and resist all forces of, of racism, misogyny, and other attitudes and actions overt and implied that subvert the dignity of persons made, subvert the dignity of persons made in the image of and likeness of God. Amen? And the only evangelicalism worthy of its name must be one that both faithfully points to and mirrors who? Jesus Christ. The good news of the world and seeks justice that reflects the character of God's kingdom. We want to be involved in that in Sarasota. We don't know where we're going to find it, uh, but we know we have to be part of that because we think that's one of the great missions of the church in this day and age. And finally, I want to leave you with this. As we embark on our journey, we are keeping our eyes on Jesus. My theme verse for my life is from J.B. Phillips' translation of the Bible. And it says this, For God has allowed us to know the secret of his plan, and it is this that all creation, everything that exists in heaven or on earth, shall find its perfection and fulfillment in Jesus Christ. We believe that. It is in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are l- living for. And long before any of us heard of Christ, He had His eyes on you. That's the truth. That's the way it was with John. The first encounter he had with Jesus had him leaping in joy in his mother's womb. His public ministry was to prepare the way for Jesus. Everything in his life pointed to him, and so should ours. And it's this truth, as we leave this church, in this truth that Anita and I commit ourselves. Every day we want to give as much as we know about ourselves to as much as we know about Jesus. Jesus. And in this, we think we will take root in Sarasota and grow and reach for the stars. And friends, that's our prayer for you. Love Christ. Dig deep. Go for it. See the world the way Jesus sees it, and you will never be the same. We love you so much so many great memories and we just want to thank you for for all you've done for us in our lives and if we've been able just for an instant to do something good for years man, then this time here has been well worth it. Let's pray Almighty God just thank you for these people, this place just thank you and uh, as we embark on our journey, when we ask the question, what is gonna to happen to us? Uh, perhaps all of us can ask that question about ourselves. What we, are we going to become here? So be with us, Lord, in this season of Advent as we prepare to welcome the Christ child this coming week. We give this all to you, we pray this in your name and all God's people said, amen.